Hello, everyone. Hope everybody had a good week. Let's begin. Today is going to be the last chapter in the in the book, Study in Scarlet. And we'll do a quick review of 13. Chapter 13. Where we find it, we're back in London again, and uh, where it all started. And they got Jefferson Hope shackled when he was leaning over to pick up uh, Sherlock's uh, trunk. And they got him tied down and hog-tied, basically. And then uh, they're fixing, ready to bring him down to the down to the cab to take him to the jailhouse. And Jefferson suggested, you know, don't you, you don't got to worry about me running away. You can unleash my legs so I can walk down there like a man, basically. And uh, the two cops are kind of hesitant on it, but old Sherlock Holmes there just can tell just by looking at the character there. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere. He wasn't putting up any kind of a fight, that's for sure. Not with them, anyways. So then to give Jefferson a chance to explain the whole affair, how he tracked down the two men, how he made them choose between good and bad, the good and the bad pill, calling it was a fate, firmly believing that Whatever pill Jeffrey picked, it was the work of God. Standerson in the same boat, he offered the pill, but he instead decided to fight, so he put up a fight, and uh, Jefferson ended up stabbing him in the heart. And in his mind, justice has been served just as well as, just like the other one. So we continue on, and then uh, Jefferson Hope tells the doctor to... Uh, feel his chest and uh, Dr. Watson's been shot to find out the guy has a uh, aortic aneurysm ready ready to go. He said it's pounding in there like crazy. It's, it's just a matter of time before that thing bursts very near future. So once they had all Jefferson's testimony written down and satisfied with everything, they're totally intrigued by the whole story. Uh, they decided to bring it back to jail to wait for the, for the courts. And this is where we pick up on uh, the conclusion. So, the con chapter 14, the conclusion. We had all been warned to appear before the magistrate upon, thir upon the Thursday. But when Thursday came... There was no occasion for our testimony. A higher judge had taken the matter in hand, and Jefferson Hope had been summoned for a tribunal where strict justice would be meted out to him. On the very night of, after his capture, the aneurysm burst, and he was found in the morning stretched upon the floor of his cell with a placid smile upon his face, as though he had been able to, in his dying moments to look upon, look back upon a useful life and on and on work well done. <laughs> I find that kind of funny. The author has it in here that uh, seeking revenge and killing those two guys is a job well done. <laughs> well, it was a job well done, but still. <laughs> Gregson and Lestrade would be wild about his death, Holmes said, as we chatted over the next evening. Where will their grand advertisement be now? I don't see that they had very much to do with the whole case in the, the capture in the first place, he and uh, Watson said. Uh, 
What you do in this world is a matter of no consequence, returned, returned Sherlock bitterly. The question is, what can you make people believe that you have done? Never mind, he continued more brightly after a pause. Never mind, I would have not missed the investigation for anything. There has been no better case within my recollection. Simple as it was, there were several most instructive points about it. Simple, I said. What? What is he thinking? Simple. Well, really, it can't hardly be described as otherwise, said Sherlock Holmes, smiling at my surprise. The proof of it, of it, its intrinsic simp simplicity, is with that without any help. Say a few very ordinary deductions. I was able to lay my hand upon the criminal within three days. This is true, this is true, said I. I've already explained to you that what is out of the common is usually a guide rather than a hindrance. In solving a problem of this sort, the grand thing is to be able to reason backwards. This is a very useful accomplishment and a very easy one, but people do not practice it much. In the everyday affairs of life, it is more useful to reason forward, and so the other comes to be neglected. There are 50 who can reason synthetically for the one who can reason analytically. I confess, said I, I do, that I do not quite follow you. So he's got old Watson and a little bit of a fog all of a sudden. I hardly expected that you would, said Holmes. Let me see if I can make it more clear. Most people, if you describe a train of events to them, will tell you what the result would be. They can, they can put those events together in their minds and argue from them that something will come to pass. There are a few people, however, who, if you told them a result, will be able to revolve, evolve from their own inner consciousness what the steps were to, which led up to that result. This is the power to mean when I talk of reasoning backward or analytically. Ah, I understand, said I. Watson got it. Now, in this case, in which you were given the result, it had to find everything else for yourself. Now, let me endeavor to show you different steps in my reasoning. To begin at the beginning, I approached the house, as you know, on foot, and with my mind entirely free from all impressions. I naturally began by examining the roadway, and there, as I've already explained to you, I saw clearly the marks of a cab which, I ascertained by inquiry, must have been there during the night. I satisfied, satisfied myself that it was a cab, not a private carriage by the narrow gauges of the wheels. The ordinary Lunder growler, in other words, the ordinary Lunder, Londoner with their average carriage, is considerably less wide than a gentleman's brougham. So there's a big difference between a cab We'll just say money-making cab and the, uh, the public cab, basically. The public carriage. This was the first point gained. I then walked slowly down the garden path, which happened to be composed of clay soil, peculiarly suitable for taking impressions. No doubt it appeared to you to be a mere trampled line of slush, but to my trained eyes, every mark upon its surface had a real meaning to it. There is no branch of detective science was so important, so much neglected as the art of tracing footsteps. Happily, 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 I have always laid great stress upon it, 
and much practice has made it second nature to me. I saw the heavy footmarks of the constables, but I also saw the tracks of the two men who had first passed through the garden. It was easy to tell that they had been there before, for, before the others, because in places their marks had been entirely obliterated, 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 destroyed by the others coming upon top of them. In this way, my second link was formed, which told me that the nocturnal visitors were two in number, one remarkable for his height, as I calculated the length of his stride, and the other fashionably dressed, which I judged from the small and elegant impression left by his boots. Which you remember, remember everybody where uh, Jebra was seen wearing what the, uh, they called a square-toed, square-toed boots. On entering the house, this last inference was confirmed. My well-booted man lay before me. The tall one, then, had done the murder, if the murder there was. There was no wound upon the dead man's person, but the agitated expression upon his face assured me that he had foreseen this fate before it came upon him. So it's kind of like uh, he's saying, like say you get into a car crash or unexpected death, like an accident. Like you're not, you're not expecting to die, so you don't have that look on your face. But if you know you're going to get shot or be poisoned or be killed, you have that you know, agitated look on your face. That's what he's referring to here. But the agitated expression upon his face assured me that he had foreseen this fate before it came upon him. So he knew he was about to be killed. Men who die from heart disease or sudden natural causes never by, by any chance exhibit agitation upon their features. Just like I was saying there with the, you know, the accent and stuff. I guess the accent you have it on you. But dying and uh, medical issues, you don't have that stress, stressful look face on you. Having sniffed the dead man's lips, I detected a slightly sour smell. And I came to the conclusion that he had been poison forced upon him. That he had had poison forced upon him. Again, I argued that it had been forced upon him from the hatred and fear expressed upon his face. So he's not, he doesn't know whether, you know, whether Jefferson stuffed it down his yap at the time or made him take it by his own hand or not. So he just knows that he was, he knew he was fixing to die in the next few minutes. By the method of exclusion, I had arrived at this result, for no other hypothesis would meet the facts. Do you imagine it was a very unheard of idea? The forcible administration of poison is by no means a new thing in criminal annals. The cases of Dolsky and Odessa and Luthier and Montpellier will occur at once to any toxologist. And now came the great question as to the reason why. Robbie had, Robbie, <laughs> robbery had not been the object of the murder, for nothing was taken. Was it politics then, or was it a woman? That was the question which confronted me. I was inclined from my first to the latter supposition. Political assassins are only too glad to do their work and, and to fly. The murderer had, on the contrary, had been most deliberately, and the perpetrator had left tracks all over the room, showing that he had been there all the time. It must have been a private wrong or not a political one, which called for such a methodical, methodical of revenge. 
When the inscription was discovered upon the wall, I was more inclined than ever to my opinion. The thing was too evidently a blind. And when the ring was found, however, it settled the question. Clearly, the murderer has used it to remind the victim of some dead or absent woman. It was at this point I asked Gregson whether he had inquired his telegram to Cleveland as to any particular point of Drebber's former career, and he answered, you remember, in the negative. Remember all that when he asked about the telegram? I then proceeded to make a careful examination of the room, which confirmed me in my opinion as to the murderer's height and furnished me with the traditional detail as the Trinopoli cigar at the length of his nails. I had already come to the conclusion, since there was no signs of a struggle, that the blood which covered the floor had burst from the murderer's nose in excitement. I could perceive the track of blood coincided with the track of his feet. It is seldom that any man, unless he is very full-bloodied, breaks out in this way through emotion. So I, so I hazard the opinion that the criminal was probably a robust, ready-faced man. Events prove that I had judged correctly. Yeah, you sure was. Having left the house, I proceeded to do what Gregson had neglected. I telegraphed the head of the police at Cleveland, leading to my inquiry in the circumstances connected with the marriage of Enoch Drebber. The answer was conclusive. It told me that Drebber had already applied for the protection of the law against an old rival in love named Jefferson Hope and that this same hope was present in Europe. I knew now that I had the clue to the mystery in my hands, and all that remained was to secure the murderer. So that's how he knew he was uh, Jefferson Hope. I couldn't figure that out. So he had, he had it in the telegram. And just so you guys know, it's something funny here. They spelled clue, C-L-E-W. It's funny how they did things back then. So I held the clue to the mystery in my hand, and all that remained was to secure the murderer. I had already determined in my own mind that the man who had walked into the house with Drebber was none other than the man who had driven the cab. I think that was kind of an easy one to figure out. The marks in the road showed me that the horse had wandered away on a way on in a way which had been impossible had there been anyone in charge of it. Where then could the driver be, unless he was inside the house? Again, it is absurd to suppose that any sane man would carry out a deliberate crime under the very eyes, as it were, of a third person, who was sure to betray him. Another reason why he thought it was only just the two of them. Lastly, supposing one man wished to dog another through London, what better means could he adopt than to turn to a cab driver? All these considerations led me to the irresistible conclusion that Jefferson Hope was to be found among the Jarbies of the metropolis. I guess the Jarbies are the uh, citizens of the metropolis or the cab drivers of the metropolis. If he had been one there for was no reason, if he had been one there, hang on a second. If he had been one there was no reason to believe that he had ceased to be there. Some of these sentences are so hard to... Let me try it one more time, folks. I apologize. If he had been one there... If he had been one, there was no reason to believe that 
he has ceased to be. On the contrary, from his point of view, any sudden change would likely be draw attention to himself. He, prob he would probably, for a, for a time at least, continue to perform his duties. There is no reason to suppose that he was going under an assumed name. Why should he change his name in a country where no one knew him his original one, knew his original name? I therefore organized my little street Arab detective corps <laughs> and sent them systematically every cab property here in London until they ferreted out the man that I wanted. How well they succeeded and how quickly they took advantage of it are still fresh in your re re recollection. The murder of Stangerson was an incident that was entirely unexpected, but which it could hardly in any case have been prevented. Through it, as you know, I came in possession of the pills, the existence of which I was already surmised. You see, the whole is a chain of logical sequences without a break or flaw. It is wonderful, I cried. Your merit should be publicly recognized. You should punish an account of the case, publish the account of the case. If you won't, I will do it for you. You may do what you like, doctor, he answered. See here, he continued, handing a paper over to me. Look at this. I got to find a feeling of points about to be proven here. It was the echo for the day, and the paragraph which he pointed to was devoted to the case in question. And here's the paragraph. The public, it said, have lost a sensational treat through the sudden death of the man Hope, who was suspected of murder of Mr. Enoch Drebber and Mr. Joseph Stangerson. The details of the case will probably never be known now, though we are informed upon good authority that the crime was the result of an old standing romantic feud in which love and Mormonism bore apart. It seems that both victims in their younger days to the latter belong to the Latter-day Saints in hope. The deceased prisoner hails also from Salt Lake City. If the case had had no other effect, at least brings out in the most striking manner the efficiency of our detective police force that will serve as a lesson to all foreigners that will that they do will that they will do wisely to settle their feuds at home before they come over here and not to carry all their feuds over here in British soil. It is an open secret that the credit of this smart catcher belongs entirely to the well known Scotland Yard officials Messrs Lestrade and Gregson. <laughs> oh, Watson or uh, Sherlock was right again, right? This man was apprehended, it appears, in the rooms of a certain Mr. Sherlock Holmes, who, as himself, is an amateur, shown some talent in detective work, and who, with such instructors, may hope in time to attain to some degree of his skill. <laughs> so they're saying that Sherlock's not even close to uh, Gregson and Lestrade. The old rat face fella and <laughs> the chubby guy. <laughs> I expected that a testimony of some sort would be presented to the two officers as a fitting recognition of their services. <laughs> Didn't I tell you so when we started? cried Sherlock Holmes with a laugh. That's the result of all our study in Scarlet to get them a testimonial. <laughs> Never mind, never mind, answered. I have all the facts in my journal and the public shall know them. In the meantime, you must make yourself contented by the consciousness of success. Like the Roman miser says. I'll try and read some, uh, some uh, Greek Latin here. Populus mi sibilit mi plato. Epis domini simi accumus contemplate arca. And the English version is, 
The public may hiss at me, but I cheer myself when I'm in my own house. I contemplate the coins in my strong box. So that's the, the saying they're saying for Sherlock. That the, all the work he did. And he got told he's not as any... He needs to take lessons from Mother Strait and uh, Gregson. <laughs> All right, folks, that's the end of the first book that was ever written on Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I thought it was quite good. Very interesting. I liked it from start to finish. I hope you folks enjoyed the book. Sorry for all my steps in the book. I'm trying to get better at it. I know I mumble a few words around. I get too fast. I find I get too excited when I read for you. I just get so so uh, involved in it. I just can't help myself sometimes. So next week we're going to start a new book. And it's called The Sign of Four. And apparently it's quite quite good. And I do believe it trails off from the end of this book here. I think all the books bleed into the other. And I do have all the Sherlock Holmes books that were written in 1928, so it's going to be fun. Well, like I always say before, please subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends, tell everybody, because uh, I'm going to make this my hobby. And I know I'm not going to get a whole lot of people listening to it, but the ones who do listen to it, I appreciate it very much and I'm very thankful. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have, and I will see you all next Sunday. Have a great week. Thank you.